I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You are listening to Alone, a love story, and I'm Michelle Parisi. Chapter 11. Hold it together. We become our own wolves. It's January 2013. Here I am, alone in my apartment, 6 p.m., eating a fried egg and having a drink. A dark and stormy. It's become my signature. Imagine me just one year ago. I didn't even drink at all. And now I drink so much, I have a signature. That's progress, baby. Let's do some more inventory, shall we? I'm 38 years old. I feel like I've lost everything. And therefore, I believe I have nothing. Sure, I own this apartment, so that's something. And I have things in it, and a cleaning lady I've never met who comes every two weeks and cleans it for me because somehow I can't. I used to clean an entire house, top to bottom, a house I owned with the husband. Excuse me, the ex-husband. But now I can barely keep 900 square feet clean. This boy I was seeing for a while, he could not get over the cleaning lady thing. I don't even know how it came up, but after it did, he always found a way to use it against me. This completely bourgeois thing about me he found disgusting. I tried to explain to him, when people used to tell me they had cleaning ladies, I would judge them too. But after my worst year ever, can't I give myself this one thing? I felt as ashamed of it as he felt suspicious, both of us coming from lower-class immigrant families and all. But it was a waste of time to explain myself to him, and uh, I didn't care to. That wasn't what he was there for. Anyway, the fact that I cooked eggs today is kind of amazing. Usually I have a bowl of cereal or just rum for dinner. It's all I can manage when my daughter, Bertie, isn't here. If I don't have a date lined up and I'm just here, alone, it can be pretty bad. But look at me, cooking. How's that for personal growth? At this moment, it's been 11 months since the bomb dropped, and Bertie and I just got back from a trip to the Bahamas. When the ex-husband picked us up at the airport, he looked cuter than ever, his hair going silver now as he approaches 40. He small talks me, but I feel like punching him or kissing him. Both in equal measure, sue me. It's all I can do not to break into hysterical tears in the car, our old car, but the psychologist says I have to stop crying in front of Bertie. As he drives, the ex-husband pokes at me, jokes, then notices enough to stop and wipe a tear from my cheek. He looks crushed, but free. 
Sad he's hurt me so much, but so happy not to have to miss NFL games anymore because of my family's events. Or something. Of course I'm simplifying, but this car ride is exhausting. We pull up to my apartment building and Bertie, in her old soul way, says, Mom, I just want to say I hope you have a really good night tonight. As if she's an empathetic woman in her 30s, not a five-year-old at the end of a long trip. Tears shoot out of my eyes like unexpectedly burst pipes. The ex-husband squeezes my hand and makes a face that says, Hold it together. I do. I always do. So I've started the new year pretty much the same way I ended the last one. Alone, sad, angry, drinking too much, sad, angry about being alone, repeat. It's cheesy to make a resolution at a time like this, in January along with everyone else, but goddammit, I need to do something. I can't sit here being proud that I made myself a fried egg for dinner for fuck's sake, or that I didn't cry in front of my daughter this time. Where's my gold medal? I mean, honestly. You have to believe me. I want to stop feeling sorry for myself. I really do. But I don't know how. I don't know how to be okay with these empty spaces. The physical one here in this apartment with no husband in it, no daughter. Just the sounds of the fridge buzzing and ice cubes clinking in a glass. Just me and the vast emptiness inside of me where love once was. I don't know how people combat the loneliness how they push through the space without having to fill it up with anything they can find like I've been doing. But I do know something's got to change. I can't keep blaming the husband for throwing me to the wolves when I've become my own wolf, devouring myself because I can't take the pain when the night comes. Oh, God, sorry. It's always the rum, sometimes the tequila, that makes me this way. Oh, fuck it, really. I can't keep blaming it on the booze when we all know it's just my heart, the world's worst and most broken record. Look, I know that since the beginning of time, people have been betrayed and deserted by the person they love and trust the most. This isn't the first time in history someone's had a hard time being alone. But this is my story. After these hard times are over, Sailing. 
July 2012. I've just returned from the trip to Italy. The first thing I do when I get back is have sex with the ex-husband. Even though he didn't miss me. Even though I never want to get back together with him. It's funny being human sometimes, isn't it? We've been having sex consistently, several times a week, ever since we moved out of our house and into separate apartments. It's masochistic, maybe, but it's easy. He lives across the street, and we get each other. Look, I know, okay? But for the past 12 years, I've only slept with him. And I've never been on a date, ever. I've never had a one-night stand. I've never picked up a guy in a bar. I've never given my number to someone I just met. I have no idea what to do, or how to do it, now that I find myself 37 and single for the first time. But I know this. I'm not interested in finding a boyfriend or a new relationship. I just need to have sex with someone other than the ex-husband. I need to have sex. Simple as that. I just don't have a clue how. So I ask my friend's husband for advice. He's the quietest person I've ever met. Mostly in contrast to her, I suppose. She is the one with the big laugh, after all. Big Laugh's husband has never said more than a few words to me before this night. But here, eating dinner on their balcony in the hot July air, I ask him, because he's a man, and because I don't really know what else to do, and I'm embarrassed to say what I'm about to say. I say, I need to have sex. How do I find someone to do that with? I say, I tried to seduce a couple of guys I know, but they totally turned me down. Is there something wrong with me? Big Laugh's quiet husband sighs and then quietly says, There's nothing wrong with you. They turned you down because they're good guys who know you and know what you've been through. What you need to do is find a stranger. You need to go to a bar and pick up a stranger and have sex with him. I stare at him. I say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't even imagine how to do that. And he says, make an online dating profile and be totally honest. Trust me, if you want to, you'll get laid by tomorrow. I hate the idea of having to go online. It freaks me out. But at the same time, it seems like a good way to solve my current problem. So I make an online profile on one of the most popular dating sites in Toronto in 2012. I put up some tasteful but hot photos of myself. I write a bunch of stuff about me that, of course, no one will read. It's all about the photos anyway. Within an hour, I have more than 50 messages and I see that Big Laugh's quiet husband was right. I will get laid by tomorrow if I want. And that's exactly what happens. You know, for me, talking to a guy in a bar and then taking him home and having sex with him is equivalent to just walking down to a marina picking out a yacht, and then sailing it around the world without a map or knowledge of the sea or even a fucking clue about boats at all. That's how foreign a thing it is to do. 
That's how prepared I am. But life said to me, there's a yacht. Go sail it or something. So damn it, am I ever going to try? I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. When he's here. When he's here, I feel calm. There are no waves. The sea is as flat as a table. The sun warm on my skin. His scent in the room, I would bottle it. The way he fills the space, like he was part of the original blueprints. Like he's always been here. Just one of the many treasures I've accumulated over the years. My apartment like a curio shop. Everything with its own story to tell. Seashells, rocks, coins. My grandfather's camera. My first guitar. Framed postcards. The man with the white shirt. Eyes blazing. When he's here, I can breathe out. I can throw my line out, and there's actually something to catch it, something to be tethered to, strong and real. I'm not lost or seasick anymore. I'm docked for the night in the world's best port town. I'm the happiest tourist. It'll be the trip I talk about for years. When he's here, here in my bed, I feel so much I forget it wasn't that long ago that I did everything I could not to feel anything. When the man with the white shirt is here, I'm awake. I watch him sleep, tracing his dark eyebrows with my finger, then traversing the ridge of his nose. My God, have I ever loved a nose? Not till now. When he's here, everything is poetry. I know he's out there, somewhere. I felt him, 
but I can't see him for the fog. First guy. The first guy is memorable for being the first. The whole day leading up to us meeting, I was a bundle of nerves. It felt like it was prom that night, and I knew I was going to lose my virginity. I kind of was, in a way. I mean, I hadn't even kissed another man other than the husband since New Year's Eve 1999. And here I was, July 2012, about to go for drinks with a 26-year-old magazine editor. He was one of the first to start talking to me on the dating site. Charming and smart, we chatted a lot and agreed to meet. 26 is a baby, what am I doing? He said he had lots of experience with online dating and that he loved older women. (laughs) I told him I had no experience. So if I chicken out, that better be cool. Absolutely, he said. I did not chicken out. It was a thousand degrees that day, so I threw on a light dress and a pair of heels. I fanned myself on the streetcar the whole way over. I was early and saw him first. He was dressed really nice and had an incredibly fit body, but his face wasn't quite as cute as in his photos. Undeterred, I walked up to him and we went inside the bar. We had beer and easy conversation. We talked about where our families are from, about our parents and our siblings and how we were raised. We talked about school and careers and how we each got to where we were professionally. We clicked there in that loud downtown bar and my nervousness slipped away. He seemed harmless and into me and a good candidate to be the first guy I'd be with after my husband broke my heart. Also, he had the same name as my teenage boyfriend, my first love, the one I dated for several years and was the first person I ever had sex with. Two firsts, same name. He was a wonderful boyfriend, my teenage love, caring, sweet, and loving. In contrast to most of the stories I've heard from women about their first sexual experience, mine was awesome because of him. Now here, this young man in front of me was about to usher me into a new sexual phase of my life. And he had the same name as the boy who ushered me into the very first sexual phase of my life. I took it as a sign. As we talked and drank, I became more sure this was the right thing to do. For the first time in my life, I was going to have sex with someone I didn't know or care about at all. Despite his age, the first guy seemed pretty mature with a career and his own condo. We went to that condo. I texted his address to my friend, as well as his cell phone number and his first and last name. If you don't hear from me by 9 a.m. tomorrow, I'm dead. Oh, just have fun, she texted back. The whole thing felt crazy. Only five months before, I was bored and resigned to my domestic family life, unhappy with the stranger that my husband had become. Now here I was, in a fancy loft conversion with a man with abs like I've never seen. 
It was insane. It was amazing. Let's stop for a moment and reflect on this sweet boy and his hard, hard body. He was incredibly lovely and generous throughout the whole thing. I just couldn't stop giggling because I couldn't even believe it was happening. If he found this unsettling, he didn't let it show. When it was over, I couldn't believe it. I just slept with a complete stranger, and I hadn't thought of the ex-husband even once. It was the greatest feeling. But poor first guy. He tried to cuddle with me, but I had no interest. I said, thank you so much. He seemed confused, and why not? He had no idea what he'd just done for me. When he asked me when he could see me again, I said, why? Honestly, I never wanted to see him again, even though it was so great. Without having articulated it to myself or anyone, I knew my policy was now in place. One and done. I had no interest in having a boyfriend or any kind of casually permanent thing. I knew I didn't want to get to know anyone enough to like them, enough for them to lie to me, enough to have them break my barely mended heart. No. I knew I just wanted to do this whole thing over and over again. Meet a stranger, have sex, then go home. You're listening to Alone, a love story, written by me, Michelle Parisi. It's a CBC original podcast. The story editor is Veronica Simmons. Alone is mixed and produced by me and Veronica in our hometown of Toronto. I've got a lot more to share with you at cbc.ca slash alone. The stories behind the story I'm telling, photos, and a lot about music. Stick with me. I want to tell you about the cake. Hey, I want to tell you about another CBC original podcast, Love Me. If you can't get enough of stories that explore the messiness of human connection, then this podcast is for you. And for me, obviously. I love the mess inside of us all. Break open your hearts and subscribe to Love Me in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Alone. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.